Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. chapter 5, going back to the verse that we preached from last Sunday morning, I'm going to make this part 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 12, prove all things, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, completely. And I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Then to Romans chapter 12, familiar verse of scripture, verse number two, Romans chapter 12 and verse number two. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good. You may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to talk to you this morning about the church in changing times. The church in changing times times. Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. God, you are so good to us. Thank you for your people today. Lord, I pray that that your word would go and do its work in the hearts of men and women here. I'm asking you, Lord, as the writer says, let it pierce to the dividing asunder, Lord, of the soul and spirit, in that is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Touch today your word upon our hearts in Jesus' name. We pray. Let everybody say amen. amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. The times are indeed a changing, changing. We find that progress and the advancement of society is not only inevitable, it is, it is essential. Change and progress are essential factors. Matter of fact, progress demands change. And so we begin to think, I just begin to think about some things that uh, perhaps have changed over the last few years. Does anybody in this building today remember what a busy signal sounds like? Anybody here know what a VHS uh, tape is or VCR? That's those big things we used to stick into the players and amen. How many of you remember slide projectors and fax machines? We, we rarely see a lot of use of fax machines today. Do you really, I, I, I know we have some people that work in school, but I don't hear much about cursive writing being taught in school anymore. Sure don't see any kids writing in cursive. It's just like, we don't need that. We find that, 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 that in my lifetime, I remember, and I'm not that old, y'all, I really am not. Don't let the gray hair and bald head deceive you. I remember cassette tapes coming into existence, and I've watched them go out of existence. How about you? Change. Anybody remember making a phone call like this? 
rotary phones, gone. Typewriters, got great typewriters. And my dad uh, used to type his, his, his messages out on typewriter, and he was not real fast, and he wasn't real quick about it. And I remember the first time that he had the opportunity to sit down with a computer and to type on a computer. Uh, the computer had, had advanced pretty significantly at this point. And so he sits down, and I, I looked at his file, and there was a return thing. As back when you saw the return thing, a little, little icon over here on the right, every time you hit the return button, it appeared. Every line had a return thing. So what he was doing is that he was being diligent like a typewriter. Type, 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 come to the end of the screen, hit return. The times are changing. Anybody remember a thing called Tang? Tang. How about this, Sister Vicky? Tab. Gone. Change is inevitable. It is not only inevitable, inevitable it is unavoidable and it's inescapable. Change is often necessary. We find that John Glenn, when he went on his first spacecraft in 1962, had 56 toggle switches. In, in, in uh, 1998, he went in his second craft that had 856 toggle switches. Amen. We need today to understand we're living in changing times. We need to develop then an idea of what change is good and what change is bad. If we're not careful and we don't have a good theology for change, we will be swept by the tsunami that is known as secularism. Progress has expanded in the last 30 years like no one could ever imagine. Amen. The process of producing abundance and producing things has now become a routine. We're not shocked by the latest iPhone that comes out. We're not shocked by the latest techno technological thing that comes out before our very eyes. I doubt very seriously that Mr. Alexander Graham Bell ever envisioned how that his telephone invention would change human communication. In 1876, he obtained the patent for it and said like this, this apparatus is for transmitting vocal and other sounds telegraphically. Mr. Bell's telephone changed how people communicated, but Mr. Steve Jobs' iPhone changed how people lived. Change. Change will happen whether you like it or not. Amen. We talked about it last week. The church is not immune to dealing with the currents of change in the world. The question is, will we be able to determine what is good change and what is not? Quite frankly, change is an integral part of the kingdom of God. God plans for you to change. God plans for me to change. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, But we all, but we all, Speaking of the people of God with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Thank the Lord that when we are born again, he doesn't stop working on us. Thank the Lord when we are truly uh, converts and we begin to mature, amen, that we begin to change. What happens to a person that is born again? They change. What happens to a person when they repent? They change. What happens to a person that begins to grow in discipleship? They change. Amen. What happens when the Lord returns? <laughs> Woo! 
Can I read to you what the Bible says? 1 Corinthians 15 and 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I want to tell you, if you want to be a part of that rapture movement, you want to be part of the coming of the Lord in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be change. Hallelujah. If you don't like change, you're going to miss the rapture. Hey, I want to change someday. How about you? The point is the church is a place of change. It is where the depressed can be set free. It is a place where the discouraged can be encouraged. It is a place where the oppressed can feel freedom. It is a place where the, those that have no hope can find hope. Amen. Thank God for the positive change that happens in the kingdom of God. When you begin to think about change and things that should change and things that shouldn't change, there are some things that must be in our discussion that should never be tampered with. The Bible says in Malachi, I'm the Lord. The Lord said, and I change not. He is the unchangeable God. It'll never change, hero Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. It'll never change from that. Jesus declared, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. God and his word is unchangeable. What he says about sin is unchangeable. What he says about salvation is unchangeable. What he has said about healing is unchangeable. What he says about marriage and morality is unchangeable. Amen. What he says about heaven is unchangeable. Amen. When he declares that his promises are yea and amen, he is saying that they are unchangeable. Yet we've got to determine a good theology for change and determine what is changeable and what is not changeable. Let me give you three examples in scripture that show us the distinction between changeable and unchangeable. Example number one, you remember blind Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus to heal him and all Jesus did was speak to him. That's what all he did was just talk to him and said, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole and blind Bartimaeus became seeing Bartimaeus. And so he was healed, example number one. Example number two, in Mark 8, we read how some people from Bethsaida brought a blind man to Jesus. He did not merely speak to him this time, but rather he took him by the hand and led him out of town. Then Jesus spit on the man's eye. Mm. Health department have a problem with that today, wouldn't they? Jesus spit on the man's eye, put his hands on the man. Jesus then asked the man if he could see anything. And the man responded, I see men walking like trees. Jesus laid on his hands on him the second time and the man became completely healed. Example number three in John chapter nine, Jesus healed another blind man by spitting on the ground, made some mud, then applied it to the blind man's eyes. Then Jesus sent him away to wash in the pool of Siloam and the blind man was healed. What is the unchangeable in these examples? What is the constant in this example? Is that Jesus was the healer. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the one that is a miracle worker. What is the changeables in the story? Is that each one of them was done differently. The method was different. The manner was different. He 
Amen. He spoke to one and he was healed. He spit in the eye of another and he was healed. He spit in the third man. He spit on the ground, made some mud, stuck it in his eye and told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. What Jesus understood is that unless we're, we're very careful, we will make methods unchangeable. If he did it all three the same way every time, we'd make a doctrine about it. Well, that's how you got to pray for him. That's what you've got to do. It's just got to be that way. But what he showed us is that the method may change, but what is unchangeable is his word is that he's the healer. When you put the Lord in a cookie cutter position when it comes to the miraculous, well, this is the way he works every time. This is how he works every time. You just might miss the miraculous because sometimes it'll happen one way. Another time it'll happen another. But what you can hope and pray and believe is that he said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord. And he said, I change not. Those that have uh, uh, perhaps wondered what happened to my relative, I want to tell what the Lord said is that uh, that there was going to be a, a change that took place. Brother Don Johnson wrote the song, somewhere between here and there, there's a healing service. There's no cancer on the other side. I said there's no cancer on the other side. Hallelujah, there's no arthritis on the other side. There's no high blood pressure on the other side. Huh, just between here and there in, is a veil. Amen, we cannot see it right now, but it's just as real. It's just as sure. Hallelujah, I'm telling you, the method may change. Don't get caught up in the method. So how are we going to test fruit? Or how are we going to test change? You want to examine change by its fruit. Somebody say, examine the fruit. Matthew chapter 11 is a powerful verse of scripture in verse 18. Jesus said, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he hath a devil. John was one strange man. John the Baptist was a strange man. He only had a short ministry. It's almost like the Lord brought him on the scene, said, I'm done with you, and took him off the scene. But yet Jesus said there was not a greater prophet than he. And so he, they say they have the devil. The son of man, speaking of himself, came eating and drinking. And they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. John's method and Jesus' method seemingly were totally different. Yet both of them fulfilled their kingdom assignment. When John showed up, Jesus said that that generation was like children calling out to their friends in the marketplace, and they die. Uh, they said with 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 a, a little hint of sarcasm, "John, you played the music, but you are not dancing to it. You must be a devil." Jesus ministered completely different than John, but they both had results, proven results. And then they also were both told that they were ridiculous. 
They accused John of being too conservative and Jesus of being too loose. They accused John of being too separate and Jesus of being too social. Both were right. Both got results based on their calling but also on their wisdom. God put John in a place that he was going to be the rough, tumbling man in, in, in just looking different, sounding different, preaching rough and gruff. Amen. And then Jesus comes along and he's a little different. But you know what John preached? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what Jesus preached? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Aren't you glad that God doesn't make every church just in their methods exactly alike? Hallelujah. Can I tell you what works in Nashville, Tennessee may not work. A church in Nashville, Tennessee may not work in Medora, Indiana. God said, I'm going to use different methods, but it's going to be the same message. we got to understand today, change is important when it comes to method. The religious and the self-righteous Pharisees confused changeable things with unchangeable truth. Changeable things with unchangeable truth. All right, I want to talk to you about three different kinds of destructive change. John's methods were different from Jesus. And so John was different, Jesus was different, but hear me. It's not a green light just to go change willy-nilly. Somebody say, I know that's right. Methods in ministry should be tested before they're embraced. My dad, I've said, said, said this before, my dad used to have a saying, don't be the first one to pick up anything new and don't be the last one to lay anything old down. Think on that, just chew on that a little bit. If you want to know some of what we talked about, go back to the podcast and check out last Sunday morning's lesson. Amen. But change that is based on innovation alone is dangerous. Change that is based on convenience can speak, cause unspeakable harm. Change that is based on personal whims and ideas and desires. I want it this way. I like to have it this way. I want it to be like this. This is for me. Change based on what is popular is often short-lived. Fads come and go. Just ask people like King Saul and King Uriah and Aaron's son who was just briefly there and then gone because they got messed up in their methods. Let me share it with you. Amen. Change based on unfulfilled expectation leads to ruin. If you're taking notes, write this down. I'll show you three changes that is very deadly. Number one, change based on unfulfilled expectations is dangerous. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse number 8. And he tarried seven days, speaking of Samuel, he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed, but Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And he said, bring hither a burnt offering. Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offering, and he offered the burnt offering. That sounds pretty innocent. Samuel set up the appointment, and he's seven days late. I don't know about you, that, that'd probably bother me. Anybody ever been to the doctor's office and, and they, they got you 30 minutes late, an hour late, two days late, change your appointment, can't get to you? Yeah. I don't know. Is there any patient people in the house that just would put up with that and go on? Here is Saul 
twiddling his thumbs, waiting on the prophet Samuel to show up because Samuel has the authority to offer sacrifice. Saul does not have the authority to offer sacrifice. And so here is Saul. He's waiting day one, day two, day three. Amen. And I can see Saul as he's getting impatient and he says, something's got to be done. We need a sacrifice around here. We're losing people left and right for the Bible said the people were scattered from among them. And so Samuel, you know, he just doesn't get this new generation. Oh, Samuel's old, setting his ways. I know how to do this. I don't care what they say. I can, I can take care of this right now. We need, somebody needs to do something about here. I wish somebody pick up a, 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 an animal. Let's sacrifice her right now. Amen. What is he saying? He's saying that I know a better way. Amen. It is dangerous to institute changes that are based on unfulfilled expectation. Samuel didn't show up like Saul thought he was supposed to be, so Saul panicked. He got desperate and impatient. Saul stepped out of his calling for the sake of expediency and improper expectation. Saul was impatient and rebellious and he sacrificed when he should not have sacrificed. Amen. I can see Saul say, Samuel, that old prophet has just lost touch with people. These old preachers, they just don't understand what this generation. Y'all get quiet on me now? Is that all right? Whenever people decide to change, out of unfulfilled expectation, they're setting themselves up for a dangerous, dangerous experience. Let me prove and show you what happened in 1 Samuel 13 and verse 13. And we find that Samuel shows up and he says to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But then he says, but now the kingdom shall, thy kingdom shall not continue. Just because the Lord doesn't move in a way that we think, or, or just because a method doesn't happen like we think it ought to, it's not an excuse to change without order. There must be order. I want to tell you here at MPC, I believe that God sets up order. He sets up uh, accountability. I'm accountable to somebody. Those that work in this church in leadership is accountable to somebody. Amen. We don't change just because we get impatient. I don't want to be the first to pick up something new because it's a fad, but I believe we ought to pray about it. I believe that we ought to be ready that when the Holy Ghost says go right, we go right. Or if the Holy Ghost says go left, we're going left. Woo. People who adopt change for the sake of some expected growth chart are asking for trouble and rebuke from the Lord. It's just not about numbers, church. It's not just about number. Oh, I want everybody. I pray that everybody in Medora is born again of the water and the spirit. I pray that everybody in the Tri-County area, amen, from Seymour to Bedford, down to Salem, is born again of the water and the spirit. But I don't want to get ahead of God's divine order. That's what happened to Saul. Number two, change that is based on indifference is dangerous. 
Change that is based upon indifference is dangerous. Leviticus chapter 10 and verse number 1. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, That is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. I will be holy in them that come nigh me, and before the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. The story doesn't play real well in our touchy-feely world today of I'll do worship my way, you do worship your way. Doesn't play real well. Nadab and Abihu, by all appearances, were just abject failures. These guys approached their worship and their ministry duties with a blatant disregard for the holy fire of God because the Lord said, don't offer any fire but the fire that I have sent down. Don't bring strange fire. Don't bring illegitimate, unauthorized fire into my holy presence. Anything that is pertaining to something that started from flesh, I don't want that because God had sent fire down when he made his tabernacle and ordained his tabernacle. And that's the fire he said I want you to maintain. That's the fire I want you to keep. I want to tell you by the help of the Lord, let us continue the holy fire of God and the holy experience of God for any change that puts God on a back burner and his move on a back burner is dangerous. So what did they do? They tried to change the standard of worship into something they wanted. That pleased them. The vast majority of churches today have good bands. The vast majority of churches today have all kinds of great sounds and some have all kinds of different things. But I want to tell you what, I'm not going to settle for a surrogate move of God. I want a move of God that's based on prayer, that's based on worship, that's based on fasting and seeking God. Lord, we want our worship to be what you want us to be. Amen. With an open heart and a humble heart before his presence. Lord, pour out your fire. Pour out your holy fire in this place. Hallelujah. Pour out your holy fire fire in this place. Nadab and Abihu was careless with the glory of God. They approached the presence of the Lord with deep indifference, disdain, change based on boredom and indifference and apathy is a recipe for moral failure. God doesn't play games, y'all. I said God doesn't play games. His altar is holy. His presence is holy. We should not be open to change that alters that concept in any way. The change that these two brothers initiated was not nearly about, merely about style, methods, and genres. It is about altering the very laws of worship and the way God had set it up. Amen. Again, I go back to the blind men that the Lord healed. He chose to heal in different ways. So we don't make a religion out of the method, but we make a, a true doctrine out of the message. The closer you get to the presence of the Lord, the more serious you must become. For the Lord said, anyone that comes close to me, I will be sanctified. And before all the people, I will be glorified. So change that is based on indifference 
doing it my way is deadly. Let me show you the three, uh, number three in the dangerous kind of change. Change that is based on pride. We have Samuel, we have Saul rather that was doing it uh, because he, he just thinks I want to be changed. I, I want to get, in, he was impatient and had expectations ruined. Nadab and Abihu did it out of indifference. This third guy did it out of pride. Change based on pride is dangerous. King Uzziah was the picture of success in Scripture. He was a great king. He was a successful king. He did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 and verse 16 it says, But when he was strong, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For, his trans, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple to burn incense upon the altar of incense. When he was strong, when he was successful, when everything was going good, I don't, I don't want to ever get to the place that our success is so good we think we got it. We've arrived. This is how we do it. We know how to do it. You hoi polloi, some other place don't know how to do it. We've got the, we've got the best way. We've got the, and, and so this is the mentality I see in this king when he says, I'm strong, I'm successful, I want to do, do it my way. King Uzziah arrived at the throne at the young age of 16. His subsequent reign was one of the longest in all of Israel's history. The Bible says that he first of all did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. It also said that he sought the Lord and was connected to the prophet. The Bible declares that he sought God in the days of Zechariah the prophet. Amen. But what a sad statement when it says when he was strong his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Pride caused Uzziah to stray away from what was real and, uh, and what should never change. Uzziah wanted to do it his way and offer up incense when again it was the priest's responsibility. I want to tell you today, we can get into the place where we just simply say, look at us. Look how we have arrived. Look what, what, what we have. Look what we can do. Look how good our music is. Look how good our worship is. Look how good our choir is. So we can just make it on our own. Amen. I pray that everybody in the back hears this on the podcast sometime. Amen. We cannot afford to take the mentality of pride and say we've arrived, but rather let us approach the presence of God with humility. Our voice means nothing without anointing. Our songs mean nothing without the anointing. Our worship means nothing without the anointing. It's not about just simply changing for change sake. Years ago, my father was sitting in his living room in Lepanto, Arkansas, in that white, little white uh, sided house. Just a little, just a little uh, few room house, but the rooms were big and they had very high ceilings in them. And he, he said he was sitting in his recliner one day praying. And he said an angel of the Lord showed, came and appeared to him. Said he was so tall that his head reached up and touched the nine foot ceiling in that, that way that God revealed him to him. And he said that an angel just knelt down to where he was at that chair. And this is the words that that angel spoke to my father. He spoke in God's stead and said, my people are addicted to style. 
My people are addicted to style. I believe that sometime when we get before the Lord and the judgment seat of Christ and he's passing out rewards, he's also going to say, that's wood, hay, and stubble, and it's going to be burned up in my presence. I want to do things that count. I want to do things that matter. I want to do things that give God glory. I want to do things that lift him up, not flesh, not just simply us, but glorify God so we can learn what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Amen. For that is what Paul said. Don't be conformed to this world, but be it transformed by the renewing of your mind the world likes style the world likes pizzazz the world is addicted to all the glitz and the glamour amen I believe it ought to be done right I believe it ought to be beautiful I believe the temple was gorgeous and wonderful and laden with gold and God put all kinds of intention to it so it matters but it's not by the world it's not by going by the world standard but it is rather by the standard of God Honor to the Lord. Can you just love him right now? Would you lift up your voice right now? Hallelujah. Lord, help us to understand the difference between changeable and unchangeable. In the name of Jesus. The goal of this world system is to tell you and me how to think, how to operate, what to believe, what not to believe. I am convinced this is, as Mr. Harvey would say, Paul Harvey would say, this is partly personal. It's not coming from my notes. It's come from me. I believe the news media on all fronts has done more to ignite the flame of outrage in our world than even Hollywood has. It's sickening. What are they trying to do? Well, first of all, they're trying to get an almighty buck and great ratings. So what do they want? They want you to think like they think. Believe what they believe. Amen. Embrace what they embrace. But, but the Bible is very clear. The world is about destroying you. The mentality of the world, the mentality of the world. I'm not going after people. I'm going after mentality and a way of thinking. It's a spirit of the age. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2 says, Where in time past ye walked according to the course are the thinking of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the influencer is darkness can you say amen the influencer is darkness the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience you used to don't don't pick that up again in galatians chapter 1 verse 4 it says who gave himself for our sins speaking of jesus that he might deliver us from this present evil world it's not that he's just delivering us physically someday that will happen but right now it's the mentality and the spirit of the age. We want to be delivered. Don't be conformed. Don't let change conform us just so we're just like somebody else. Yes, let's adopt good things. Yes, and you better you, I challenge you to be here tonight because I'm going to follow up with what I'm preaching today. Tonight, be in the house of the Lord. The world wants to tell us how to think. We need some rebels. I said we need some rebels that just simply says, I'm not following you. I'm not going after you. 
I'm going to rather be transformed in my mind and in my thinking. Holy Ghost hit this place right now. Hallelujah. The word conform means to force you to accept change. Force you to accept it. The world systems and the, 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 the thought police of secularism says you must accept what we tell you today. Amen. No matter what has been believed and thought for thousands of years, all of a sudden we know better. Now we know how to do it better. Amen. Uh, we want to tell you don't support Israel. I say that's a dangerous move. They want to tell you to support same-sex marriage. Amen. That's a dangerous move. Life doesn't begin at conception. You know, it's all right. Just go ahead and destroy the baby. Sex before marriage, that's just a normality today. Divorce and, and just adultery is just commonplace. I want to tell you that God said, that's not my word. Hallelujah. I don't want to follow the polls. I don't want to follow the systems when it comes to change. According to Gallup poll, the world is increasingly believing that medical testing on animals is morally wrong, but testing on aborted babies is not. I don't know about you, but that don't make sense. Truth doesn't change. The word doesn't change. All next month, by the help of the Lord, every single service is going to be about this word and laying a reminder at our feet about how important the word of God is. Devil attacks the word. This is not just simply our idea or thought. It is, is it thus saith the Lord. If it's not in the book, we're going to use wisdom and ask God to help us. The Bible said don't add to nor take away. I believe when we get this in us, then all of a sudden we understand the filter of how to believe and what to say. Everything I need, I believe, is in this book. I believe it. I wouldn't be standing here preaching to you today. I would, I've tried it. I've tested it. I've seen it in my life. Hallelujah. My God's still real. Amen. Because that's what his word says. The writer says, prove that. Prove. Prove. Test. Prove all things. And then Paul wrote, Prove that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Somebody say process. The process includes presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable in God. Learning how to distinguish the will of God requires that we passionately pursue pleasing Him. Not the church, Him. Pleasing Him. Not people, Him. Again, I'm talking about a church in changing times. Prove all things. Prove, test, and approve. We talked about it last week. Things that must be tested and then valued. Tested. How do you do it? Pray. Can I ask you a question? Walk up to the refrigerator in your house, open the door, reach in and get a jug of milk. You look at the date, don't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know there's some chuggers in the house. But you take that jug of milk and you open up the, the lid. You know, 
I do. If it's close to the date, I sure do. Oh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour that in my cup, and I'm getting ready to take a good drink of milk. Anybody ever took a swig of spoiled milk? What little hair I have gets curled. And what a lot of people do is they take one drink and they say, I don't know, is it really that bad? I don't have to drink the whole jug to know that it was bad. First of all, I can smell it. And then if I sip it, or worse yet, pour it over your life cereal and you ruin a whole bowl. But a lot of people today say, dab won't do you pour some strychnine in your diet coke can and then take a swig if I find if, if, if we find poison in it I think we ought to put the jug in the trash can if it's spoiled we need to put the jug in the pa- mm, if it has destroyed people and churches I don't want to pick it up if it has hurt marriages and if it has, if it's change in methods that, that cause people to get lazy and discipleship is thrown out the door, I don't want to pick it up. The Bible speaks about there is a gift of the Spirit that is known as the discerning of spirits. Oh God, we need that in the world today. Discerning of spirits. It, it, watching something, man, I've, I'm telling you today, if you're watching some kind of show, you're changing it quicker than you ever were in your life. Nope, can't watch that. No, I don't care what the rating is. It's, it's nasty. It's despicable. I'm going to, no, nope, passing that on by. Amen. If it takes a taste and it's spoiled, why don't you just not go back to it again? Man, I didn't plan on telling all that. But try the spirits. First John 4 and 1. Try the spirits to see whether they're of God or not. Amen. Continually test change. This is not a one-time thing. We must test change. Prove what is good. Somebody say, prove the good. The word good here in the Greek is agathos. means intrinsically Good, inherently good in quality, but it carries the idea of good that is also profitable, useful, beneficial to others. The will of God is always good. This is more than merely identifying something that is good. It tested and approved that it is good. It is the idea of finding good and doing good finding good if you want to prove what is good it's going to be good because God says that it is good just because it looks good doesn't mean that it is good ask Eve two primary different Greek words are used for good in the New Testament one is this agathos and the other is uh, kolos which agathos is uh, distinguished between the other 
in, in that while Agathos, the one that is in this verse, is an inherently morally or practically good, the other is the idea of being aesthetically good or beautiful, fair, and appealing to the eye. So when he said it is good, he's not looking at what appears to be beautiful, but rather what it has intrinsic value. God is telling us today that there are things that we need to follow that have intrinsic value, that all of a sudden it's, you know what? We need to change. We need to follow that. It has intrinsic value. It's not just about the aesthetics. Somebody say amen. amen. The will of God is always profitable, beneficial, and useful. But it may not always look appearing, appealing to us. Prove what is acceptable, the good and acceptable will of God. You cannot improve on God's will. <laughs> it's just going to be there. He knows what's best for me. He knows what's best for you. The will of God in this word means pleasing God. Pleasing God or being desirable to God. A believer who is filled with his spirit, amen, is one that says the flesh cannot please the Lord. Romans 8 and 8. The flesh cannot please the Lord. We find that uh, the writer of Hebrews says without faith it is impossible to please God. We see that in Romans it tells us that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable or pleasing unto God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, the Bible declares no man that warreth entangle himself with affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Amen. I want to tell you today we need to walk worthy by pleasing the Lord. If you get it in your heart, Lord, I want to please you. I'm not worried about pleasing other people. I want to please you because if I please you, I can impact others. If I please you, I will help others. If I please you, I'll bless others. Proving what pleases him that's what's important so when it comes to change is it good does it have intrinsic value does it add value to the kingdom of God does it promote the kingdom of God or does it promote flesh then secondly is it pleasing to the Lord is it pleasing to God and then the perfect proving the perfect will of God good acceptable and perfect will of God is not speaking about three different levels of his will the will of God is always good it is always acceptable it is always perfect but when it comes to change we better understand these three understandings of the will of God perfect here means uh, an end, a purpose, an aim, a goal. It means complete maturity, fully developed, full grown. It is brought to a conclusion. It is finished, wanting nothing. Amen. This is the aim and the goal. It is the ultimate goal of knowing the good and the acceptable, then the perfect will of God. The will of God not, may not always look good, but it will always be good. The will of God doesn't always uh, uh, please us, but it will bring glory to him and honor to him when we look ahead in the year to come we ask ourselves Lord is this pleasing to you Lord is this bring glory to you Lord is this bring glory to you if it doesn't back away any and all change that occurs in our walk with God in our worship ought to be filtered through what God calls the good the acceptable and perfect will Stand with me, please. 
What I want to do last Sunday, this Sunday, and tonight is that I want to create a theology, an understanding, a biblical understanding of change. Here's what I've watched over the years. People that have walked away from God doctrinally. People that have walked away from God doctrinally. Maybe they moved on and they said, I don't believe this anymore. At the heart of almost everyone, and I've sadly encountered it in preachers. I've encountered it with people. Is at the bottom rung is bitterness, Brother Matt. Somewhere they got hurt. Bishop, I don't know of a one. Somewhere they didn't get offended. Somewhere they got hurt. I want to tell you, I can't afford to walk away from what pleases God because somebody hurt my feelings. I go back to what I've said and re-entered in this message today. It's not about pleasing people or me thinking that it is beautiful and aesthetic. It's about me saying, God, is this your goodwill? Is it got quality? Does it have transcendent value? Lord, is this acceptable? Does it please you? I want to please the Lord. I said I want to please the Lord because, Brother Pork, one day I want to grow up. One day I want to have the perfect will of God, and that is the place of maturity. Hallelujah. Would you begin to lift up your hearts right now to the Lord in this place? Oh, God. Lord, today we are living in changing times. It is a current, Lord, that is rushing in headlong. It seems like every day there's a new issue, a new cultural problem, Lord. There's a problem, oh God, in our world today with with things like racism. There's a problem today in our politics. There's a problem today with the chaos and the anger and the outrage, oh God, that people are fighting each other. It's not about finding solutions. It's not about compromise anymore, oh God, but rather it's about arguing and fussing. Lord, today, help us to just simply walk away from that and say, God, what is your good what is your acceptable and perfect will I gotta find out I gotta find out today hallelujah we're gonna sing a song amen I'm gonna open up this this altar if you feel God tugging at your heart today and you say I just need to pray I just really need to touch God why don't you come on why don't you come and spend some time in prayer we'll sing a song but why don't you come today and say I'm committed to the good I'm committed to the acceptable and the perfect will of God. I'm committed to what has value. I'm committed to what pleases Him. I'm committed to walking in the way that makes me grow up. I'm committed in the way, Lord. I pray today, help us be agents of positive change. Help us today to be agents of positive change. Lord, change, dear God, that ushers in revival. Change that ushers in a move of God. Change that brings hope and builds lives. Lord, change, dear God, that stands upon your word. Oh, Holy Ghost today. Hallelujah. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I thank you, God. Lord, for this is the day, God, that you have made. We rejoice in you. We praise you. God, we need to hold fast that which is good. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Hallelujah. Lord, not conform to the world, but conform rather transform by 
your, by your renewing today. In the name of Jesus, come on and just call out to the Lord in this place. Call out to the Lord in this place this moment. Heavenly Father, we need you today. Lord, we need you today. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.